You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to NFL Draft Coverage on BGN. Welcome into another BGN Draft special covering the 2019 NFL Draft. This is Episode 5, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. that's K-I-S-T. Today, we have another special guest from our friends over at Pro Football Focus. He is Mike Renner. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. You've heard plenty from us here at BGN regarding this 2019 haul from the Eagles, but it's always good to bring in a knowledgeable outside voice to give their thoughts as we wrap up the final pieces of our draft coverage here at Bleeding Green Nation podcast and bleedinggreennation.com. Remember, if you haven't done so yet, smash the subscribe button, click five stars, leave a fun review, tell us what you like. Plenty of content coming throughout the rest of the week and throughout the summer months as well. Keep it locked on here and enjoy my conversation with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Mike, it's been a long time since I spoke with you, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to see we're not uh, enemies <laughs> interaction last uh, last year here. Yeah, you know, it, it, everything gets Twitter-fied. That's how, that's how it is. It's all it's all good. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. But PFF is my friend right now. Yeah, I, I feel bad <laughs> about that one because what I was mainly talking about, I, we all know the one time I tweeted about Bleeding Green Nation and I... What I was really talking about was who who was the guy who just the other day said they would take Nate Sudfeld over any of the quarterbacks in the draft. That that's more what I was referring to when <laughs> it's the takes get to that level. And that wasn't you. I was just getting to the sort of uh, getting to those. It just Philly has a lot more of those. I feel like than some other fan bases. That that was a fantastic way to put that. And I think we're even better friends now because yeah, that 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 wasn't a person that contributes to yes, Bleeding Green yes. Nation. And it's interesting because that take mixes so poorly with the same take that that person had, which was to franchise tag Nick Foles to back up Wentz. But if you have an elite backup in Nate Sudfeld, <laughs> I don't understand the need to spend $25 million for a backup. Or am I wrong on that? No, no, you're not wrong. And it's going to be <laughs> hilarious when Clayton Thorson takes Sudfeld's job here in a few months. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not too high on Thorson, but maybe, maybe we'll get to him. But we are going to talk about this 2019 NFL draft for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Mike, before we get into it, I know a lot of people know who you are, but if you don't mind for the gentle listeners that don't, could you let them know who you are, where you came from, how The Bachelor really shaped your life <laughs> and all of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't find love. I'm pretty much the same guy from before The Bachelor as I am been after. But I've been at PFF for, God, almost seven years now. I started right out of college in 2012 doing like game charting back when. It was like cool to even see mentions of PFF in like a newspaper or that sort of mm. stuff right when they were really getting off the ground. So I've been with them ever since and I've now transitioned to purely draft. I'm now the draft lead draft analyst at PFF. I do draft content year round now. So that's 
my my role here at PFF nowadays. That is awesome. And where can they find you uh, on Twitter so they can yell at you about calling uh, the Eagles fans a bunch of homers? Yeah, I mean, you should be a homer. <laughs> God, I mean, I, I as, as a right. fan, maybe not as a beat reporter, but uh, I'm PFF right. underscore Mike is my handle there. And I have to say I love the Eagles draft. I'm one of the biggest proponents of it. Uh, I think this is one of the best drafts of any team in the NFL this year. Yeah, and Mike, you recently did a piece for Pro Football Focus with the headline, Steals of the 2019 NFL Draft. And I'm glad to report that the Eagles made two appearances on that list, the first of which was somebody that they traded up for in the first round to select that 22nd overall, Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle out of Washington State. Mike, looking at it from an overall perspective, why do you think Andre Dillard was a first-round steal? And I agree with you. I just love the process that went into that pick. Now, you don't, we don't usually advocate trading up and saying this guy is our guy. In course of the draft, usually you know, no one knows enough to really say one person's that much better than the other. But Andre Dillard, to me, was very just sound in pass protection throughout his career at Washington State. Had more sort of practice and more reps in pass pro than any other tackle in this draft is incredibly athletic, was very productive on those pass per reps, highest pass blocking grade of anyone in college football last year per our grading. I just think there's a lot of you know safe sort of projections with him. And then the other thing of you don't need him to start right away. You have Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. He doesn't get thrown to the wolves right out the gate. I think it's the best thing you can do for a rookie lineman is not put that expectation on him and not ruin his confidence right away, get him the coaching he needs at the NFL level, the practice he needs against guys who are in the NFL already, because he didn't face a lot of talented pass rushers in the Pac-12. And so I think the best time to draft an offensive lineman is the year before you're actually going to need one. And I think that's exactly what they did with that pick. Yeah, and I've been pounding the table for the Eagles to take an offensive tackle because we didn't know if Jason Peters was going to be back last year. So even the year before that, I was saying, man, we need to really go get a guy for the future and Dillard seems to be that guy and you mentioned the situation that he landed in where he can wait and develop and he lands with Jeff Stoutland who has 20 years of coaching experience developing players at the collegiate level of, as offensive linemen and then he comes to the pros and he coaches up all these guys we've talked about it a lot but it just seems like the perfect environment for a guy that needs time to develop and when you went through his film and when you ran all the analytics on him was there anything that specifically stood out about Dillard that that kind of caught your attention well I just think the sheer amount of practice he got was the crazy thing in terms of we can limit uh, in our charting we'll limit you can look at all, all the guys snaps that are purely just when the quarterback takes a straight drop a deep straight drop no play action no stunt against four-man rushes we can look at all those reps and Dillard had twice as many of like those such reps those ones where you're actually taking a real pass set that you'll do you know, on the two minute drill in the NFL, that sort of thing. He had twice as many reps over the course of his career than guys like Jonah Williams, Dalton Reisner, Jawan Taylor in this class. He just got so much more practice at the collegiate level. I think that was the biggest thing to me. And you just saw his his ability to change directions. His mirror ability is superb compared to someone like Jawan Taylor. They were just different in, in that regard. Mm. He's a work in progress and run blocking, but I think the ability to stay with speed rushers and hold up at left tackle in the NFL. Dillard had it. I'm not necessarily sure I saw it with Juwan Taylor. Yeah, and you compare Taylor to Dillard as far as the fit goes, too, especially in the run game. I thought Taylor was more of a gap scheme guy. Mm -hmm. I talked about it with Brandon Thorne on one of our BGN draft specials. I think it was number two. Uh, But Dillard is just an elite athlete and fits the mold of elite athletes that the Eagles like 
at their bookends. Now, talking about the run game there, where how did you guys grade him out, and are you that concerned about it? He didn't grade out great in the run game. I mean, I'm a little concerned about it, but a lot of it was, again, the similar practice aspect. If you practice a lot of pass pro, didn't get a lot of practice <laughs> in the run game. I think he has all the traits necessary to excel in that regard. I never questioned sort of his play strength. That was never really an issue for me. I never really saw him. Like I said, I never really saw that be the thing. It was more just you needed some more seasoning in the run game. Let's talk about where you had him overall on your board and where you would have taken him. Considering the environment, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you can take any pick in the first round. Where do you think that his ceiling would be? How high would the Eagles take a Dillard in the NFL draft if you were just to give him a, a, a new pick? Well, he was 13th on our board. And so I, I was saying if you know Jonah Williams is off the board at 11 for the Bengals, that's probably where I would have realistically been fine taking him off the board so as high as number 11 in this draft and then from any team there I think would have been a good pick for a lot of those teams that ended up passing on him especially the Vikings I think the Vikings were crazy to pass on him at number 18 that one blew my mind yeah that's why they went with Garrett Bradbury right who is a guy that I absolutely loved but also plays a position that doesn't have as much of a premium I was higher on Bradbury on my board but when you take in positional value and what you're really looking for long term I love Bradbury. I think he's going to be great in Minnesota. He's going to, you know, help Elfline kick out the guard and all that stuff. But yeah, I think Dillard really would have fit nicely there. Mm-hmm. But the Eagles got him. We're glad to have him. Y'all like the pick. So we're friends now. And we'll go into Miles Sanders. We'll go to the second round. Let's transition to Miles Sanders, the running back out of Penn State, the 53rd overall selection. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, Mike, I don't know how you feel about Sanders. I haven't seen, for some reason, I haven't seen any of your thoughts on him through my travels. But I am somewhat concerned about the pick, and we've gotten some kickback from the listeners saying, God, you guys are so negative about it. And it's not that I'm negative on Miles Sanders, like on the whole. There's just, there's a lot of projection with him because he's a one year starter, and I didn't necessarily see all the stuff in the open field making guys miss and and some of the vision, but a lot of it, like even the pass pro too, was bad. I just don't know if he knew what he was supposed to do on any given play in that situation. But you can chalk a lot of that up to inexperience. He only had one year as a starter. So, how did you guys view Sanders? Were you more comfortable projecting him out, or were you a little bit lower than where the Eagles selected him? No, we had him as a second running back on our board. I think his sort of home run ability is as good as it gets in this class. When he did get clean reads, when he was behind good blocking, I, I did struggle with him making sort of something out of nothing with some yeah. bad run blocking in front of him. That was my biggest question mark, was too many just – Runs where he stops his feet. It just doesn't have, doesn't see that hole. Doesn't take the three yards when three yards is there. That was probably my biggest concern with him. But I think he'll have mm-hmm. good run blocking. You know, with the Eagles' offensive line, I don't really <laughs> think that's an issue. And so I think it goes to a perfect situation for him. Now we'll debate about the value in terms of do you want that in the second round or is it the guy you could have gotten later on in the draft going to be a comparable sort of fit for you? There, there's always that positional value running back debate. But I think for if you're going to draft a running back there. If you had a draft one, I probably would have drafted Miles Sanders as well. As far as your board goes with the running backs, who is your number one? Who is your number three? Who are the guys bracketing Miles Sanders in that area? Was Josh Jacobs number one? So Josh Jacobs was number one. Then David Montgomery was number three. So the board almost fell. NFL wise, almost identical to ours, except for Henderson was our four and he went third. So yeah, I really liked Henderson. He was my third. Go- going back to Jacobs real quick. I mean, there was a story out there from Peter King where when the Eagles traded up, there was a mini freak out 
in the Raiders war room where John Gruden was losing his mind over the fact that he thought that the Eagles were jumping in front of them for Josh Jacobs. Mike, would you ever believe that Howie Roseman would trade up for a running back in the first round? Uh, I would not. But I mean, I can see why the your John Gruden, they're coming at the game from a different angle. They're they're, uh, they're probably not thinking foresight. Their, their foresight in that draft room, probably not the same as the ones going on the Eagles the conversations there. So what about Sanders as a receiver? Because what I see from you guys, like the yards per route run, and I think the protection stats were, were pretty low. How, how do you grade him out as like a, a, a three down guy? Because I think the expectation from Eagles fans is this guy is going to be a third down running back or, or at least be able to compete on all three downs. I actually think for the time being, that his role is going to be limited to some early downs because of how good, comparatively especially, how good Jordan Howard is in pass protection. I mean, he only allowed two pressures on, I think, 87 pass rush snaps, something like that last year. I think there's a big disparity there, and he doesn't offer enough in the receiving game yet, even though he has the athletic profile to develop into a very good receiver out of the backfield for the Eagles. So how do you see his role early on in his career? Yeah, Sanders is not profile grade and pass protection out the gate something you're gonna have to teach him it's a lot of college running backs though pass protection i'm guessing an afterthought in a lot of those schemes in terms of what you're coaching there only so much time you can have with these guys so that's going to be an issue out the gate howard better in that regard but he's he's a much better just receiver of the football than howard howard has just dog crap hands like the worst hands of any running back in the nfl if i had to (laughs) probably he's just over every single year of his career has not been good at hauling in the ball so that's an issue i'd put sanders well above him in terms of his hands didn't see much in terms of like usage as like splitting him out wide miles sanders there at penn state but i feel comfortable with you can get him the ball in space on screens swing routes something underneath he'll catch the ball and he'll be dynamic in space because i think that's his ideal roles when he did have space to work with he was good in that regard so i see him being featured out of the backfield just far more it just brings a far more complete skill set to the table than howard even if pass protection still the work in progress. When I was watching Sanders, I was so frustrated because you mentioned them not splitting him out. I mean, they do split him out, but then they motion him back every time. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there waiting, going like, just run him on a route. Just, just snap, yeah. snap the ball, McSorley. Let it, let him go get downfield and let's see what we have there. Because I mean, I know, for instance, like with Darrell Henderson, he didn't have a whole lot of receptions because he was sharing a backfield with Tony Pollard. But when they did put him in the slot, I mean, there was the one where he was in the slot, ran that ran the nine route and then had to make an adjustment to, to catch the ball and whatnot. It was all pretty. I was like, OK, cool. I feel a little bit better now. I didn't get to see that with Sanders. So it's going to be interesting what his role is long term. Do you have anything else on Sanders before we move to probably both of our favorite pick in the draft? Uh, no, I think we covered most of it. I, I think you're getting a massive upgrade, though, in terms of compared to what was on the roster last season last season running back eagles was about as bad as it gets in the nfl like we'd say there's a lot of good running backs but you could also be bad there and they definitely were bad there yeah you could tell why they they spent the draft capital to go get one and kind of shore up that running back room if we come back here on bleeding green nation we are going to be talking about a guy that we both love pro football focus myself benjamin solak we've all been raving about him i have my film review on him on bleedinggreennation.com make sure you check that out but we're going to talk about him right after the break vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus talking about this 2019 NFL draft class for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's not stand on ceremony, man. Let's talk about Stanford wide receiver J.J. Arcega wide side, 57 overall. Benjamin Solak was the one that put me on to J-Jaw last summer and then was peeved to find out that I ended up higher than him <laughs> on our big boards when we did our big board fight. Uh, and then I see that J-Jaw was even higher for pro football focus than on my board, which is upsetting. But ultimately, I'm happy because I love this selection and the value, the long-term plan, the immediate fit, the insurance policy, the depth he brings. Tell me why Jay Jaw ranks so highly for the folks at Pro Football Focus and for you especially. Well, there's so many big wide receivers in this draft class. And yeah. that was one of those sort of like the MO is there's all these 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guys, contested catch guys. And you have to be more than that at the NFL level. And people were pigeonholing J.J. Uh, into oh he just makes fantastic catches and sometimes yeah, yeah he's, he does make a lot of them he's incredibly good at them but some of them were just like by design he wasn't running a route tree that was conducive to any sort of separation he was running back shoulder fades he was running in zone f- post up fades he just was not running a complete route tree but you saw it in his releases and his quickness on dig routes slant routes and just getting off the line of scrimmage was better than, in my opinion, any of the other big wide receivers in this draft class. I love his body control. And I just think if you didn't watch the all 22 on him, you you just got the impression of a guy who, yeah, probably doesn't separate a lot because you, they're not even showing him on the screen half his routes because basically everything that he was breaking off was 10 plus yards downfield, had a ridiculously deep <laughs> average depth of target. So I get why some people were low on him, but I just think he has exceptional movement skills his feet are exceptionally quick he has the basketball background really shows up in his releases in his routes and then you're getting the best contested catch wide receiver in this class the best in my opinion best ball tracking of any of these wide receivers in this class i think he's a very safe projection i'm happy to see that the eagles got him in the second round i like that you mentioned the all 22 there i was just grading his traits in my article and release stood out body control stood out obviously the catch point stood out but then when you kind of parse out like the different types of cuts that he's going to be required to make you know for instance you see him on on a dig or a basic or whatever you want to call it or you see him on a deep out or, or a corner route you know any of the vertical cuts the sharp angle cuts i think he has the footwork and the athletic ability to get in and out of those breaks i think where you might see some struggle where you might see an extra step is on some comeback routes some curl routes now he got separation on those routes like you you 
you can watch him. There are not many games. I think the Notre Dame game is probably his worst one, but you watch the Oregon game, you watch the TCU bowl game from the year before. This guy is consistently winning at the line and stacking dudes at will. So it's interesting to see the narrative that he can't get open. What other parts about JJ's game do you think translates to the Eagles? Because I think he's going to be fantastic on the RPOs on the backside slant because of that basketball background, mm-hmm. the releases and everything like that. And I think he's going to be a red zone contributor. What do you see his role being like year one for the Eagles? Yeah, I think he's, you just bring this to the table now as the Eagles offense, this like basketball team to, uh, that you're playing <laughs> against every opponent with Alshon Jeffrey, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. Now yeah. you have four guys who, if you have any sort of undersized defender anywhere, on your defense, you are all you're going to be exposed. Like there's one guy who's going to be a mismatch most likely with those four out on the field. So I think he just brings that to the table and it, and it's not a limited, I don't think he's a limited receiver in terms of like, you only can run him on certain routes. He can run a full route tree and run yeah. down the field. He can win on go balls too. And I love this ability compared to all the other bigger receivers in this class to use that size, the way he used the size to uh, get positioning down the field. You know, yeah. a lot of times you're not necessarily open on a pure go route. You only have a few feet of separation, but he would dip that shoulder. He would get himself in a position to get at the ball and shield the defensive back. That was his best trait, in my opinion, that I just think some guys have, some guys don't. It's not something I'm going to be able to teach a guy if he doesn't have it at the next level. Yeah, we keep talking about body control here because body control is not just up in the air contorting Mm -hmm. yourself to the football. It's also getting yourself in a position to win. And this is what I'm constantly trying to tell people. Like, number one, you mentioned the back shoulder fades, right? So he's getting a clean release to the outside. And from what you're telling me, the offense, and from what I saw on film, they're telling him to gear that down for a back shoulder fade if he wins mm-hmm. clean on a release to the outside, right? Yeah, they just, I don't, I don't think I saw a single pure right. over the shoulder, you know, traditional deep go route. Like, he, once he got that clean release, he couldn't run. I think that's why people also thought he was slow, too, is because he can't. <laughs> take it up to full speed even then he has to uh, sort of keep it shoulder to shoulder so he can then get that separation at the end. He's also then so aware because even when he does kind of continue on that track, it's also not being thrown out in front of him because JJ is so is very aware of the safeties over top and will bend his route to the outside or get skinny to where he's still got that window. So it's not like that traditional deep ball, but he's working the stack and he's working the honey hole so well. And everything he does before that, re- the release to right before he starts to gear up to go up and get in the air all of that is leading to the contested catch success and i think that's what people are worried about and that's why i'm really trying to hammer this home mike is because people think that these just purely jump ball guys and we've talked about him not being a purely jump ball guy but if we're translating that trait to the nfl we're more comfortable projecting him to the nfl because number one i mean he caught 19 contested balls Mm -hmm. last year was more than any of the college receiver i think you tweeted out that he had 14 flags called on him for either holding or pass interference so with all of that combined like you can say no this trait will work from the nfl right yeah i i think it's when it's to that level of how good he is, and then he has, you know, add all of the other, I think you feel fairly comfortable about it. And and that's what you want to see. You don't want a guy who's kind of a jack of all trades doing some things nicely. You want a guy with a dominant sort of trait that yeah. when you have it, when it's at that level, you feel like, you know, it's going to work in the NFL too. Absolutely. He's got that Trump card, which is beautiful to see. So JJR Sega Whiteside, if you had your own personal board, do you guys have your own personal boards outside of the PFF big board? Yeah, I have my opinions on, I have my own where I'd take guys comparatively. 
Where would you have taken J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? So I would have taken him in the first round. So I'm actually a Packers fan. I was hoping that that 30 pick was going to be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Unfortunately, it did not end up being the case. I can't argue with Darnell Savage, but I would have taken him uh, anywhere in that sort of area. You're a big Darnell Savage fan? Oh, yeah, big Darnell Savage fan as well. I haven't seen you on the meetings on Tuesdays. I didn't know there was Scott yeah. when I get the invite. Yeah. That I mean, the great. Eagles brought him in on an official visit. I absolutely love Darnell Savage's game. I was not surprised at all to see him go in the first round. Very happy for him. One last thing before I get you out of here, Mike, I want to ask you about the the Giants first round. How did you guys at Pro Football Focus react to that? So, I, I mean, I was I don't want to say I was 100 percent sure it was going to happen, but I after watching all the Jones throws. I'm like, Dave Gellman's going to draft this guy. Like he's just, <laughs> I couldn't see how he couldn't draft that guy. Like he looks, if you think Eli Manning played well last year, you would think Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of your future. Like you would think that he's a franchise guy. If you, yeah. if you have one opinion, if, if a, then B that is to a T how I felt about watching Daniel Jones, but yeah. I can't, I also will say as much as people are making excuses for the talent around him, it was the worst talent I've ever seen around a quarterback at the college level, like a legit quarterback prospect at the college level. It was awful. Hmm. So there is some like risk there in terms of you don't feel as good about his decision. You're like if you, the fact that he does make bad decisions and is inaccurate in our opinion, you don't feel as good about it because it's just easier to be accurate and easier to make good decisions when guys are open on most plays. So, there are there. I'm not going to completely write them off, but number six just a crazy reach for me. Yeah, that's that's absolutely wild. So I'm glad you feel. It. Everyone I talked to was like Daniel Jones is just. There's no confidence there when it comes to the pick. I it, it's me. I was begging for it for months on the QB Sco show here on the other shows. I was like, please just take him at six. I was hoping they trade up. I mean, uh, the Redskins I thought might try to try to leapfrog and and grab Dwayne Haskins, but they actually end up sitting. For some reason, I mean, we, we heard all those reports of it just being chaos in the Redskins' war room and guys were taking over and so on and so forth. And somehow that terrible process led to like fantastic results for their draft. I was going to say they had almost like the most calm results then to right. get to get Haskins and then Montes, what it's like? Oh damn, how'd that happen? <laughs> like people are probably the worms burning down. They make two of the best picks. Yeah. First round. Crazy. Totally unpredictable. Mike, thank you so much for joining us here today. Remind the people one more time where they can find you, where they can find your work and uh, anything special y'all got brewing up there at uh, Pro Football Focus. Yeah. So you can find me at Twitter on PFF underscore Mike. Get the draft guide. Uh, I know it's a little late for that, but if you just want all the stats on these guys, it is in the draft guide. If you go get a PFF Edge or Elite subscription, and we got a maybe a 2020 draft guide dropping at the end of the summer. So be on the lookout for that as well. Awesome. Looking forward to all that. Thank you for joining me, Mike. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Mike. P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.